Hello and welcome to the Healed Approach podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Heald, and I am here to lead the revolution in workplace well-being. On this podcast, you can expect to hear from people who have turned their personal trials into professional triumphs. This isn't a podcast that is about your run-of-the-mill leadership and well-being. You're going to hear from trailblazers, visionaries, and catalysts for change because true well-being and leadership goes beyond corporate jargon. It's about embracing vulnerability, empathy, and resilience. So you're going to hear some really open, honest, and raw perspectives on leadership and well-being in the workplace. So I hope you're ready for the revolution, and I really hope that you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Healed Approach podcast. And today I am joined by Jess, Jess Lorimer. Now, Jess is a sales trainer and she's also a podcast pro. (laughs) So Jess, what does that mean, sales trainer? Tell us more about what it is that you're doing. Well, I know that there'll be lots of people who are like, oh my gosh, I'm listening to this and I hate sales and immediately want to switch off. So please try not to do that. Like, Give me a minute. Um, My background is obviously 15 years in the B2B sales space. So my job for the last 10 years of running my business has been about teaching entrepreneurs how to sell their services to corporate organizations. So helping people who... Just the right time. (laughs) (laughs) It's always the way though, isn't it? And, you know... (laughs) I think so many people have tried so hard to build businesses selling to consumers, what I would call B2C, and it takes up so much time, headspace, and social media usage, which I don't know about you, but when I came into the online space, it freaked me out, like how much time people are expecting you to go on Facebook and Instagram, and now it's like TikTok and and whatever. I'm not cool enough to have any of those things. Um, And I just wanted people who were qualified experts in their field to be able to actually sell the services that provide the most impact the most value to organizations who'd actually pay them for it because what I saw when I came into the online space in 2014 was that you get these really qualified experts in leadership development or organizational development or project management or operations who would be trying to convince small business owners that they definitely needed to be good leaders or they definitely needed to show up authentically or they definitely needed to have systems and processes and the small business owners just wouldn't prioritize it they wouldn't buy you know they they were wanting to spend their money in other places like marketing and things and so you get these amazing qualified people who were just so frustrated and devalued and feeling really forlorn about sales so my job and mission really over the last 10 years has been to help those people sell into corporate companies get paid for the value that they add and actually just provide a decent amount of impact in the way that corporate organizations are treating their employees and the way that they're operating love that I love that it's like you kind of just summarized my <laughs> my last few years <laughs> It's interesting though, because I did when I when I first kind of pivoted my bit. So I was doing very much kind of um B2C to begin with, um, then ended up doing B2B, kind of was going for SME, smaller businesses, because mm. of my imposter syndrome, I think. Yeah. But interestingly, like like you said, I feel like I provide so much more value 
um, you know, to the larger organizations. They they also appreciate and value me more. Yeah. But yeah, that sales bit, I mean, how do you do it? It's like magic. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? Because people say this to me all the time. And my husband, actually, he's in the army. And when we went on our first date, he said to me, because I hadn't said what my job was. You know, I'd done the thing, you go online dating. If you've ever been online dating, you'll know. If you work for yourself, you just kind of put like consultant in the box because otherwise you have to try and, and figure it out and, you know, hinge or bumble or whatever. They never have the right option. <laughs> so we went on this date and my, my husband was like, I don't really know what you do. And I was like, oh yeah. He's like, I don't really care, but as long as it's not sales. And I was just like, oh, good. <laughs> I said, oh, I said, that's really interesting because um, I, I run a sales training consultancy and his face just dropped. And I was like, it's not what you think. And I think that everyone has this misconception about sales in that they think it's full of people who are going to hard sell you something that you don't need. Yeah. And I've always thought that was really interesting because from a sales perspective, you know, most, most salespeople are quite lazy, right? We look for the quickest way to achieve the goal. And so for most salespeople, the logic is, why would I bother trying to sell something that somebody doesn't want to that person? Because it's harder. It takes longer. You have to do more yeah. education. Whereas actually, if you just talk to people and you find out, do they have this problem? Are they interested in solving it? And then you say, would you like help doing that? It's much quicker and it's much easier and it's actually much more relationship driven. So it's always interesting to me that you, you end up with people who are really, really scared about it and really scared they're going to have to hard sell something when actually it doesn't make any logical sense to do that. It would take so much longer to hit your sales goals. I, I love that because I think from what you're saying, it's you're putting the human back into sales, really. Yeah, absolutely. People buy from people. You know, we've known that for years and years and years. I think the downside is that most people don't have the confidence to be able to communicate and articulate what they actually do and the value of it. And so what happens is we, we try and market our way out of selling. We're like, we're just going to show up on Instagram and we're going to keep telling people, oh, we're amazing, we're amazing. And we're never going to ask them to buy. And that becomes a problem because then you just get known for adding lots of free content, free value. When you ask people to buy, naturally, they're quite upset about that because they're just like, well, why aren't you continuing to give me free stuff? You know, I used to call it baby bird syndrome. Yeah, I love that. It's just interesting. I think psychologically, people are more predisposed to focusing on the build, no like, trust piece, you know, that we've been taught for yes. years and years in the entrepreneurial space. And actually, the best way to get people to know, like, and trust you is to have genuine conversations with them where you're able to demonstrate your credibility rather than just mass marketing on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. And also to kind of be as honest and transparent as well, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, because I think, and I actually had this conversation, so I had a meeting today about PR. And I, we were talking about marketing strategy and I did say to her, you know, since I've kind of tried to get out into, you know, more corporate um, mm. spaces, going out and having those relationship 
you know, building those relationships, having those conversations has been so much more important than yeah. what I'm posting on LinkedIn or Instagram. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of how, how do you do that? Like, how do you get in front of the right people to have those conversations and build those relationships? Because I think what you said about definitely we are predisposed to kind of, you know, follow the, the, the things that we've always been told work. Mm. It's a bit like in business being told that you've always got to know your avatar inside out. And I always mm. say, well, actually, you know, again, know yourself inside out actually first before anything, because then you're able to connect with people and have those meaningful conversations. But yeah, I'm going round the houses really, because how do you get in front of those people? Yeah. So I, I tell everyone I have a five step process for doing it. And I see sales like a cycle. Most people, the problem is we see sales like a, uh, almost like a flowchart, right? We think we do step one, step two, step three, and then we have output. The problem with that though, is that you only end up making one sale or doing it one time because people very rarely go back to the beginning. Whereas if we start thinking about it like a cycle, we understand, okay, these are things that we do consistently. So what I look at, the five steps in the cycle, this was something I developed years ago when I was still in corporate. So I was training corporate salespeople on it and it hasn't changed in the last 15 years, which sometimes surprises me. And sometimes I'm very glad because, you know, it just makes my life a whole lot easier. But the cycle itself mm. is step one, clarity. Who are we selling to? What industry specifically are we selling to? And what transformation are we adding? And people always get at me about this because they're like, Jess, I don't want to make this big decision about one industry. I can sell to every industry. It's valuable. I'm with you. I get it. You know, and, and I do think most people could sell their services to most industries if they wanted to. If we look at it again from that sales perspective that we were talking about at the beginning of the quickest and easiest way to get to the goal, the quickest and easiest way to become a sought after specialist in your area is to be a specialist in an area. That's going to get you much more inbound leads. Mm. It's going to make it much easier to get referrals. It's going to make it much easier for your clients to recommend you to other businesses. Because if they leave their job and they go and start somewhere else, you can guarantee it's going to be in a very similar industry because that's the way the world works, right? Then we have lead generation. So the process of generating a qualified lead, meaning a decision maker who is responsible for your area of specialism and who has budget to pay you. That's key. If they don't have budget to pay you or they don't have access to it or responsibility for it, they're not a lead. They're just a nice conversation, right? And you can approach people yeah. however you want. I recommend proactive outreach, so cold email, LinkedIn, whatever you want to use. But there are some more interesting ways of doing it, you know. And in generating that important qualified lead is going to help you reduce the risk of not making a sale or of wasting time. Yeah. Then you've got business development. So building, maintaining and leveraging relationships. That's really important. Don't get friend zoned by your leads. Make sure that you're always staying top of mind. This is not with, you know, social media posts and whatever. This is about how regularly are we having conversations? Are we asking commercially critical questions to help them understand whether or not they have a problem that they want to solve in their organization they've got offers and proposals so creating solutions that actually meet the need and being able to articulate them in a way that makes them sell and then delivery and resell you know the bit that everyone likes turning up delivering a great client experience and then 
reselling to them so that you're maximizing your revenue from each company rather than having to look for new leads all the time. And if you just follow that cycle, it works. You get consistent clients all of the time in a really simple way. You become the sought-after specialist. You, you become the person who's known in your industry. It just makes your life a lot easier. out a little bit there is it back oh yeah don't worry we can edit that bit out sorry <laughs> um That's all right. um yeah so this it makes so much sense and i think one of the biggest problems for me i think has always been and i think you know again as a business owners will be able to identify with this i think it's about sticking to that cycle isn't it and it's about um not letting yourself get distracted i suppose by all of the shiny new things out there or yeah. different people shouting <laughs> about different things it's, it is because because that's me you know with marketing and sales yeah. i find it really really hard to stay kind of on task and focused on something because you start thinking that everybody else knows better yeah um so yeah i mean how do you how do you make sure that people do that how do you make sure that people do stay in that cycle and don't deviate and don't go on to the next shiny thing if that's even possible <laughs> no I, th I think everyone has a tendency to go for shiny objects even I do I've got ADHD so for me I see something and I'm like oh that would be so cool and I can get really in my head <laughs> right about oh the next new thing so I think there are two elements to getting people to do it and <laughs> You might be listening to this thinking, yeah, well, it's all very well for you to say, Jess, you know, that you get people to do it. But we've had over 800 people that I've taught specifically in the last three years, this cycle too. And 96% of those people have generated their entire ROI back within six months. So we've got a good success rate, which means people complete it. So if we look at how do we stay motivated to implement and keep running the cycle, we have to look at are people actually doing activities that they can see clear results from? Most of the time they don't. You know, when we look at most yeah. courses, we're just, you know, spending six weeks learning a lot of theory. We're not actually being taught, go and do this thing. They're saying, oh, this would be a good idea. This is what it could look like. But then that poor person who's bought the course is having to sit down and go, but what do I write though? And like, what if I say this word instead of this word? Will it still work? And, and they're getting so in their head about it that they're not implementing. So the first thing that yeah. I started to look at was, well, how can we make it easier for people to implement? And we created templates from the proven processes and the you know thousands of, of corporate salespeople I'd already trained. We were like, right, let's create templates for people. Make it easy to do. The second thing is about your own... I'm not going to say motivation, but your own ability to regulate your time in your business and understanding the difference between exciting new projects that you can experiment with and revenue generating activity that just has to happen regardless, because one of those things will make you money oh, consistently <laughs> and one will be, you know, you'll get to do lots of new things, but it won't necessarily make you any money. And actually just segmenting your time accordingly, right? 
Discipline, discipline, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> it's a little known thing. <laughs> but it is exactly that. It's factoring in, you know, what what tasks should I do every day in my business? And what tasks can I play around with? You know, so my own rule in my business is the first activity I do every day is a sales one. I don't look at anything else until I've done a sales activity for my business. And then after that, I'll do client calls. I'll go in and review things. I'll write up new trainings, whatever is needed. But that first thing every day is a sales activity because what you do today will impact your revenue in 90 days time. So if you didn't do a sales activity today, in 90 days time, you're like, oh, why don't I have any sales? There you go. Simple. So when you say you do a sales activity every day, I'm intrigued. What is it? I do a whole variety because I'm I'm sort of person that gets bored. Yeah, no, no. So I just get bored quite quickly. So if I had to sit there every day and do the same thing, I think I'd be crying. Um, Some days I do things that are easier than others, right? So you have to find your sales personality. Um, I love cold calling. I know it's not for everybody. It's not for a lot of people. But I really love it. It's hilarious. It's adrenaline inducing. I find it really funny if people hang up on me. I'm very, very thick skinned. And I come from a cold calling recruitment background. So I'm used to it. So if I'm feeling like I want a perk, perk up kind of morning, I'll do some cold calling. If I'm thinking, I want to make my life a bit easier. Maybe I don't have as much caffeine. I'll send some cold emails. Maybe I will chase up some proposals. Maybe I'll ask for some referrals. I'll do things that directly lead to revenue. What I won't do is post on social media, hey, I've got this offer, do you want to buy it? Because that is the least controllable sales activity I could possibly do. I don't have any control over who's going to see it. I don't have any control over how many people take action from it. But I can control other things. I love that. I guess, you know, because I think before you get to that point, um, you know, it's about knowing who you can call. It's about having an email list or having people you can email. When you say, okay, though, when you say cold email, I guess that wouldn't necessarily be from an email list, would it? That would be um, a cold email. That could look like sourcing. So sourcing your stakeholders, figuring out. So like an activity that would be a precursor for somebody who had nothing would be like, okay, oh, I've got an itchy nose. Um, Okay, let's go and sit down and look at the top 10 companies that I might want to work with. Who are the stakeholders? Like what are the job titles that I should be looking for? Who will be interested in talking to me about what I do? That's a good sales activity. You know, you're you're narrowing down the lead that you need to find. Then the next week, your sales activity might be, okay, I've got a list of 10 names. I'm going to go and approach them. And how do I want to do that? Is it on LinkedIn? Is it on email? Is it cold calling? Is it, you know, networking events? How do I want to do that? And actually just doing that. And that's how you start to build through the cycle. Yeah, again, I, yeah, I, I think these are things, again, that I think, we need to be more consistent with. Mm. Um, I think for me, the hardest thing has been kind of deciding on who would, you know, how do you qualify businesses that you want to work with? And I guess this is what mm. you said about coming down to, I mean, I know the size of business that I want to work with mm. and I roughly maybe know the industries, but you know, again, I think it's what you touched on before. Most people can work 
I, you know, especially with what I do, I could work in any business or any sector really, because everybody needs help with leadership and well-being. But like you say, it does you know, you do, it's about becoming known within a particular sector or a particular industry, definitely. So would you say that that is something that you should be thinking about before you even try and narrow down the businesses? Yeah, absolutely. Because that's that clarity phase, isn't it? You know, right at the beginning, who are we selling to? What transformation are we providing? So in that you look at, okay, well, what industry will I target? And we're not talking about like a lifetime choice here. You know, the industry you target now might not be the one you target in five years. It's fine. What we're doing is looking at this on a 90-day basis, right? Choose an industry now. can be anything. can be something you're just interested in, something you come from, something you like. Pick it. And over 90 days, go through the entire process. So do the clarity piece. Do the lead generation piece. Get some business development calls booked in. Over 90 days, you'll soon start to have conversations. You will have proposals out, hopefully, if you're following a best practice process. You might even have sold something and be delivering and at the end of that 90 days then you assess did I like it was it easy to you know get hold of people were the conversations interesting if I delivered something were they open to it you know did I enjoy that part of it and then you can decide if you want to stay with that industry if not no harm done you know you just move on you you do something else but the people who sit and go I'm just going to try multiple industries at once Good luck. Good luck picking your top 10 companies because there are hundreds of thousands then and it makes the decision making harder. Good luck trying to get stakeholders to refer you because if you're not the, you know, the, the specialist, it's very hard for them to do that. Good luck trying to get easy inbound leads because you're going to struggle to find HR managers or procurement directors or whoever your stakeholders are that are searching on Google for generalist in sales or generalist in leadership or you know they're not doing that they're looking for who is the sales expert for sports fans for example or who is the marketing expert for retailers it's it's much easier for them you add more value for them in being a specialist and that ultimately wins you more business yeah and i think there's two two points I think I want to make there from my own experience. Mm. Um, I think, you know, the first one is, like you say, it's about knowing that at the end of the 90 days, you know, you, you're not fixed to anything, are you? You know, you absolutely can, you can move around and you can, if you don't enjoy something, it's about, yeah, then kind of moving forward. Actually, there's three points. So I think that's really important because that was a mindset that I had to shift because I thought, oh, my God, if I decide that I'm going to be an expert in construction, in the construction industry, I've got to do that for the next 10 years. No, that's not yeah. Right. <laughs> um, second thing, though, is that, again, give it 90 days, give it the three months, because I found so I, I did decide to kind of focus on construction. I mean, the most difficult industry to focus. But the problem is I decided on that. For a couple of reasons. One was kind of my, um, the people that I knew. And Mm. and two was that I did find, did think that it was a particular area that needed help and support with their well-being and their leadership. But of course, that made it harder. That It's almost like I saw that they had this massive need, but it also kind of made it a little bit harder to get into. Mm. Um, So it is about, okay, I'm not going to give up after just a couple of weeks. I need to keep going. I need to keep going. And I've got to admit, it's probably been more than 90 days, but I, I keep... I keep plugging it away. I keep going to property and construction events. I keep 
going, you know, you, and, and it's, it's starting, I am starting to get known and I can see that, yeah. that, that happening now. Um, and, you know, and I'm understanding more about, um, you know, about their language and the way they speak and all that yeah. kind of stuff, the different cultures, the different cultures. So I get that totally. But the other thing I wanted to point out, and I don't know if you kind of find this as well and agree with this, but you also, I think when you become confident within one industry, you will also get approached by people in other industries. Yeah. yeah. And you don't turn that business away. Um, it's not saying, oh, I'm never going to work with yeah. anyone who isn't in construction. It's just easier to focus your proactive outreach there so that you're actively taking control of your sales process rather than hoping that people are going to find you that's the only difference yeah yeah i love that what you said there about actively taking control of your sales process because definitely been hugely guilty of just thinking oh if i just do a million posts then it will get out there but i mean no to be fair i i post a lot i am definitely kind of you know social media queen well i I won the award didn't i for social media but um, it's Part, but part of that is because that's also my personality and I like to be open out there, big, bold, yeah. you know. So that will always be a part of, of, of me. It's not just that I'm trying to, you know, but I must admit yeah. there are times when I just think, oh, that, that's my sales strategy. And it's like, no, no, Rebecca, that's not going to work. So I've had to, I've had to kind of sit down, go attend events and kind of, this was it. I ended up getting some work. So I attended a, an event, it was a construction event, and the keynote speaker, I was like, right, I want to do some work with that person. So I approached him at this, during the session, and actually he'd already noticed me because I'd already connected with him on LinkedIn. And it was, it, you know, I did end up doing some work with him, but it wasn't until about six months, eight months later, I think. Yeah. But I'd planted that seed doing that kind of, you know, you know, kind of figuring out who he was, you know, approaching him, adding him on LinkedIn kind of put me in the forefront of his mind and it did turn to work but just not not yeah. straight away which is what I think is again we live in this culture don't we, we just want everything fast yeah and you can do that with corporate companies I think it's a, it's a misnomer that you can't but I think people forget the groundwork that has to be involved and also people forget yeah. that they actually have to implement the sales activity right? I've been teaching people for years how to create cash injections with corporate clients which means you can generate instant revenue However, most of the people will go, oh, but Jess, I I can't be bothered to do the initial work. I don't want to find the top companies. I don't want to find the stakeholders. I don't want to send the emails. I don't want to do this. I'm like, cool, then you cannot make money. Full stop. It's not about quick money or slow money. It's full stop the end. If you're not prepared to put in the foundations and start building relationships, you aren't going to make money in sales, you know, And, and I completely agree with you, you know, the social media thing, if you've got the personality to do it, it's amazing. It really is. It's also difficult to maintain. You know, if you've, you've got, um, you know, a little one, if you want to take summer holidays off, there's only so much you can schedule, right? There are only so many things that you can't respond to comments Never on. schedule. <laughs> You're just there like a pro. I'm saying I'm, I'm in awe, genuinely, because I, I couldn't do it. Like, for me... Sometimes I just want to take four weeks off and I don't want to have to worry about it. And so for me, I like knowing that if I put a certain amount of leads at the top of the the cycle, I'm going to get a certain amount of calls that I book, a certain amount of proposals out, a certain amount of sales that I make. And I can even predict it down to the average transaction value. 
because I've been doing this for so long that every year I'm like, okay, cool, these are my results, this is what happens. It's not for everybody. You know, some people will always be like, I just, I, I much prefer just showing up and, and you know, uh, I don't know what the, the right word for it now is, but it used to be about manifesting, right? Everyone would be like, I'm just going to manifest that the right people come to me at the right time. That's cool. If that's your vibe, that's, that's absolutely fine. What I would love for people to do is just understand how they can take more ownership and accountability over their sales process, because we all think it's this big, scary thing. And we feel really out of control with it a lot of the time. Actually, we feel really out of control with it because we're not doing predictable activities and we're not measuring them. So it doesn't matter what you do. If you're not measuring it, it's not going to change. So if you're just going out there and like, oh, I'm just going to send a thousand emails one week and then never again, or I'm going to post four times a day on social media, but I'm never going to put a call to action in there. If you're not measuring it, you're never going to know why it's working or why it isn't. And that's more problematic, really, than anything else. Yeah, and it's interesting because this is so, you know, very much like the kind of work that I do in businesses as well around, yeah. um, you know, well-being and, and leadership again. Because I was speaking to a business this morning and they were like, oh, yeah, we started the well-being stuff and kind of not, not done anything with it now for ages because, you yeah. know, I'm just... And again, people go, oh, it's too, you know, it's too fluffy. I can't monitor it. But yeah, you can, you know, and this is what I keep saying to businesses about. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. You know, have a well-being cycle, something that is you're doing and you're looking at and you're reviewing all of the time and set some KPIs. You can set some KPIs, you know. In fact, I'm sat here now thinking I need to be applying the same approach to my sales as I do my businesses about well-being. Yeah. But it's it's right. It's completely right. Look at, uh, was it Deloitte or McKinsey or some kind of a consultancy came out and they said, yeah, for every pound you spend on well-being as a company, you get three pounds back. Great. So we do have a stat on it. There is a return on investment. But again, if you don't measure it, nothing's going to change. And so, yeah, absolutely. You should absolutely be saying to companies, yeah, you know, this this thing that I taught you about well-being, well, turns out (laughs) I'm going to measure how my sales activity is going or how my lead generation activity is going. The problem is, though, I think a lot of the time, though, businesses won't benchmark, especially if they're doing mm. it on their own. If they're kind of, you know, looking at well-being without working with somebody, they won't mm. necessarily gather all the all of the data and the in, you know, and do and do the research mm. and get the feedback so that they can then, you know, monitor impact. Um, but that's the beauty of having a consultant. Yeah, and and it's also why it's so important to do regular sales activity. If you are in an industry where you're like, oh, nothing's changing and you're not out there on sales calls each week, educating companies on why they should be benchmarking or why they should be doing something differently, how are they supposed to know? You know, we, we don't know what we don't know. And, and that's the, the thing I, I say to people about sales all the time. Like, I don't know why you're worried about being bad at it. You, why would you know how to do it? You know, if you don't have a career in sales, it's not going to be easy for you. It's the same with well-being and companies. If, if it's a relatively new venture for them, why would they know to benchmark? It, it doesn't necessarily mean anything to them. And if they're hiring heads of well-being who, you know, they want employees to be happy and, and have a good time, they're thinking about it more on their happiness scale than a 
how are we using this to assess absenteeism or presenteeism or yeah. you know what re- return investment are we actually getting from having a lunch and learn like these are the things that are so valuable to discuss on sales calls most people don't so that's why they then say to me but Jess you know it's just a tick box exercise companies just don't want to spend money on that no they do I've got well-being providers who are signing 15 20 25k projects all of them were told no we wouldn't even pay you 200 quid for a lunch and learn by companies that didn't have the education and that's the thing isn't it once you yeah. start having sales calls educating people much easier yeah absolutely absolutely that's how kind of that that's exactly it's investing that time isn't it into building those yeah. relationships and getting people i mean I've, I've spoken to businesses um to organizations large organizations who have put me in touch with their they've got a well-being manager um mm-hmm. but the well-being manager is getting frustrated because you know the organization has put them in position maybe as a tick box exercise but then they're not committing to to gathering that data, to monitoring absenteeism, to to monitoring, you know, kind of the return on investment, I guess, that that, that position has created. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so it is about educating, like you say, and not just having a tick box exercise. Yeah, um, absolutely. I guess. I mean, I could talk about this forever and I'm sure I will pick up, pick it up with you. <laughs> but, uh, one kind of thing I did want to ask because obviously you have you know you've been you've, you've obviously set up your um your business you've been you know a, a leader in your field what would you say is the I'm going to bring this right back around to you what would you say is the one thing that you the, the most important thing you've learned about yourself on this journey I think that's really interesting um I think I would probably say that I've learned that it's okay to be self-centered. And I think that's probably been the most interesting thing. <laughs> I have to say, sorry, I don't mean to, because I'm, I'm, I'm planning to do a post on this, so it doesn't got around to it yet. But I, I can't remember what I said. I said something to somebody recently, and he said to me, being selfish is being happy. Yeah. You know yes. what I mean? It, it, yeah. It's no, I completely agree. Being, yeah. I completely agree. And I think it's really interesting. I think you start a business and particularly as a woman, I will say that I, I, it's primarily women that I speak to that feel the same way. You can get so caught up by society in the need to overgive, make sure that everyone else is okay, make sure you're nurturing everybody. And the one thing that I've really learned from running my business is that actually the person that you need to be prioritizing first is you. And when you do prioritize yourself first, it's the proverbial, you put your own oxygen mask on and then you can help everybody else. And actually that's lost me some people, you know, I think it does everybody. I think you lose some people who were perhaps benefiting from your lack of boundaries before or your ability to kind of show up. Right. It's, it's that kind of thing. But equally, I've won some amazing friends and amazing, you know, colleagues and amazing clients to work with who would never dream of breaching those boundaries and, and who are so OK with you showing up as, as your authentic self. I think that's been huge for me. That's probably the biggest learn. I was thinking about this today and I was thinking when you do that work on yourself and, and, and you do that work to 
because I think that I spent a long time knowing that I had to put myself first but not yeah. being able to do it um, mm-hmm. so I had to do a lot of work on my own in a narrative you know my own beliefs I had to understand myself understand the way that I work understand the way that my brain works because it you know it doesn't work like yeah. most people's um, well then again does anybody's you know so what does most people even mean but it, you know and but I think exactly that because I was thinking today I was thinking now that I am me now that I am putting me first I'm so much more able to give I'm yeah. so much to the people that deserve it I'm so much kinder but in I'm, I'm not nice anymore I'm kind and I'm strong mm-hmm. in that yeah. and I people that are in my life appreciate me value me want to spend time with me and that feels amazing yeah no I love it it's it's completely true and I think it's it's so <sighs> it's so hard to embrace at first because you do, I think if you can go through like that phase of feeling like I should be doing something differently, maybe everyone's right. They don't like it. Oh, this is awkward and uncomfortable. As you break past that, actually you think I'm doing so much more for people than I did previously because it's not at the expense or cost of myself. And I think that's, that's hugely powerful. Massively powerful. And on that note, and I think also as well, just to add there, sorry, but you're also kind of hitting on exactly how, you know, sales, I think, is also about a personal journey as well. But mm. on that note, where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think, oh, do you know what? I need to do some more selling. My podcast, the Selling to Corporate podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify and every other major podcast player. Obviously well named, incredibly boring, good for SEO. You win some, you lose some. <laughs> Says what it does on the tin, which is perfect. Exactly. Ron Seal, I've got nothing on me. <laughs> Anywhere else that have you got a website? Uh yeah, but it's just easier for people to go to the podcast generally. If you type in selling to corporate on oh. Google though, everything will come up. Um, because we've we've got every single selling to corporate thing you possibly imagine. Okay, no, that's cool. That's brilliant. Okay. And I will make sure that I do link that in the comments. Ah, oh, thank um, you. So, yeah, no, thank you so much. I think this has been such an incredible part. I mean, I've learned so much um, from you in just this short space of time. So, if anybody is listening, then please do make sure that you do go and check out Jess's podcast. It's definitely going on my favourites um and if you want to obviously if you want to know more and speak to Jess then please do um go ahead and get in touch with her and also if you have enjoyed this podcast and you found value in it then make sure you leave a five-star review and you also do share it with your audience and I think you know I think anybody who is in business or leadership really could learn a lot from from listening to this today so thank you so much Jess it's been really amazing and insightful and thank you for sharing so much actually as well um because I think you charge a lot for this stuff so you know thank you so much for, for being so kind of open to you know answering all of these questions never a problem it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me thank you and that's a wrap I really hope that you have enjoyed this episode and if you have, please make sure that you leave us a five-star review and that you share it with your audience, your friends, your colleagues, because the more people that we can reach on this leadership and wellbeing revolution, 
the better. We are here to create change. Make sure that you are part of that. Once again, thank you so much and I look forward to seeing you here next time.